Okay. Okay. Time to quit fucking around and get serious about this. Okay. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 4 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And joining us now, Blaze and Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, I'm Sam Drucker over here at Hooterville, and I've got Eb up on the telephone pole with what's going on. It's a light rain and a light wind, and we're hoping to have some, uh, able to use these telephone lines this week. No, we got internet, Jeremy. We're back. Let's hope it holds out for this recording. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah. We've, we've done okay so far, but we fucked around for an awfully long period of time. We did. We did. Yeah. But um, I do want to give a special shout-out to all of our fans that listened to last week's program where we were on telephones, uh, doing it the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sound was a little bit off, man, but I got some good feedback on the Gino Hernandez uh, episode that we did. Um so just thanks for listening. I know it might have been a hard listen uh, due to the, the, I don't know, just the sound quality itself. But hopefully this week we're coming through loud and clear, man. Yeah, so, um, you know, we yeah we did record that on phones. That's how they used to podcast back in the 1950s, by the way, for people who don't know. Um, okay. So we were just being, you know, traditional is all we were doing. Okay. Um, man, yeah. it, it was, I, I got to tell you, I spent about an hour and a half trying to get that sound okay. And then I just threw my hands up in the air because at the beginning it was really off and robotic and I just couldn't do anything with it. But yeah. overall, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I um, I had it on my headphones, my earbuds. I was listening through it for like the first maybe five or ten minutes. And um, I knew I was going to listen to it regardless. But um, the, where I was at, the gym... I was on a bike for like five minutes. It started getting packed. I started freaking out, seeing people wearing no mask and stuff. And I got out of the fucking gym. And uh, anyway, I just put it on speakerphone and listened to it. And it was it was it was fine. You know, it's up and downs and stuff. But I don't think I could have done it all with the headphones um, on that bike. But it wasn't because uh, of the the, the the podcast. It was because the damn people came in there that day. Um, at, for whatever reason, it was more than usual, and I, I started freaking out, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to be around this. I got a mask on, man, you know. Um, so I got the hell out of there. I haven't been back since. I've been going for my daily walks. Speaking of which, I get a special shout-out to my man Larry. Larry, the lawnmower man, my main man out there. He saw me walking the other day and um, gave me a holler. Um, he was just finishing lunch and I was getting ready to go to lunch, but our times crossed in a way that, um, we got to spend about 30 minutes together mm-hmm. and he really put over the podcast and said, tell the professor hello. And, um, uh, he even said, you know, he put, he didn't have anything bad to say about the Gino, uh, podcast, uh, sound quality or anything. He really just a uh, big fan of ours and, uh, downloads it every Tuesday morning, like most of you do. And we appreciate that. So Larry, thanks for the walk and talk the other day. Yes, we did social distance. And um, and we both looked at each other for left and said we both would have gave each other a handshake under different circumstances. And so uh, even before this thing started getting out of hand, I was telling people on Twitter like, "Hey, if you see me, I'll just bow to you." You know, I, I didn't I'm, I didn't want to go around shaking hands anyway in the winter time and all that. I've just been sick myself, you know. And um, I was like, "Ah, fuck." But um, hopefully. Jeremy, people are wearing their face mask and social distancing, and hopefully, you know, um, some things are going to change real soon. I guess, uh, uh, um, shit, what am I think of the uh, shot, the fucking uh, pen. Anyways, I think it's going to be available December 11th. They fast track this. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Vaccine. Vaccine. Thank yeah. you. 
And I think uh, they're going with the, as they should, the frontline workers first. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll see. Maybe, you know, not blaming anything on specific gear, but it's been a tough one so far. But we're already into that towards the, towards heading towards the end of November now. So let's just hope for good things, man. Yeah, this, um, you know, I, what do they say? They have three companies are going to be applying. One has already applied for emergency release of, of a vaccine. I think all three of them are talking about the initial release being like 20 million and yeah. we've got 350 million ish people in this country. So it's going to take a while to get it around to everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, in the meantime, I hope everyone, you know, hopefully we just get a fucking thing under control. That's all. Yeah. But, I got to tell you, I'm not going to say where I work or anything because I don't want this to be a personal thing, but yeah. We had a guy come in. We just opened our doors for the first time since March, but I put signs up, you know, only two at a time, and I put down markers on the floor that are six feet away from each other. Um, we got plexiglass up, and we have a company rule. You can't leave your desk without a mask on, and you can't go to somebody else's desk without a, you know, put, somebody mm-hmm. comes to your desk, you put your mask on too. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we got a thing, like, you don't walk in the building without a mask. Like, I get there, I open up, I put a mask on before I go in. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're pretty strict about it. Okay, so we just opened the doors. First guy, the very first one who comes in, the lady I work with tells me, hey, you have to have a mask to be in here. And he says, well, what if I just go outside? She says, I can just give you a mask because we have disposables. And he's like, I'm not wearing a mask. Mm. Dude, you are not striking a blow for freedom. Okay. <laughs> you are the guy in the bathhouse who knows he shouldn't be there and is still going anyways. I mean, you, you th- that's who you are. You are a fucking disease carrier and spreader and you don't care. That's all you are. You are not the fucking Minutemen. And I'm, I'm weirded out by this obsession with, well, it's politically correct, so I'm not going to do it. You're not being conservative. You're just being anti-liberal. That's all you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know we had some uh, different rules going to effect on Friday at 5. Uh, gym is supposed to be like capacity of 30%, uh, percent, and everyone must wear a face mask. But before that, the gym I was going to, to ride the bike and, and, and do the kettlebell, um, you had to, you were supposed to put your mask on when you're walking around, but not while exercising. I never figured that out. <laughs> but like I said, Tuesday morning, for some odd reason, it was, I went at a, maybe a half an hour difference or whatever. There was more people there than usual. And I thought, this is strange. And then most of them did I have not have masks on. Um, there are a couple like myself that do wear them even while working out. And you got to realize I do a minimum of stuff just uh, due to injuries. My knee, I'm trying to rehab it, little things like that. So it's not like I'm in there huffing and puffing, but it does make a difference, but not enough for me to bitch about or to try to get sick about. But as of Friday, I guess, uh, those went to effect. And I'm not going down to the gym this week to check out whether people are wearing fucking masks or not because I don't care. I'm going to go for my fucking daily walk and, and do what I can here at the house, Jeremy. Yeah. Because um, I'm just – I try to social distance when I go to the store. I go through a couple drive throughs And other than that, I try to just, you know, stay to myself, man. Because um, this is crazy out there right now. I see people – Oh, and some basic shopping. You there? And uh, yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, my sound dropped out for a second, but that's uh, okay. Yeah. We're there. No, I was just saying. I saw two people. They was um they were running their card uh through the scanner, 
and as a, as a man, it's probably his daughter. And uh, apparently his car didn't go through. I'm just sitting there playing lottery, uh, getting my tickets, and they're kind of making a scene. I guess his card got rejected. And then she goes, let me use mine. I didn't know it was together. And she steps up there, and they're both there with no mask on, and they're holding up everyone at the front of the store. Yeah. And yeah. I saw the look on a couple of the cashiers that I know and stuff, and I was like, hurry up those tickets. i got to get out of here. You know, I couldn't make her do the machine any faster, but I was just getting my lottery. You know, I just like, I didn't I didn't want to spend five minutes in here, you know. Yeah. But both of they obviously lived in the, you know, uh, they were together. Uh, like I said, it's probably a father-daughter, um, you know. Uh, probably been in the same household and then around who knows who in the store. And like I said, they, I don't, they had groceries in two different buggies and um, no mask. And I'm like, what the fuck? And you're causing all this chaos at the front, yelling at each other about why your card won't go through. I'm like, geez. Yeah. And see, that's stuff like that, you know. Well, yeah. So we know this disease spreads because of droplets in your, you know, breath, basically, and it hangs in the air forever. So make sure you yell as much as you can while your face yeah. is uncovered. Yeah, dude, they were about a they were about a shopping buggy apart, okay? Because he had already had his stuff in the bag. Then it would have been him getting ready to pay, and then her shopping cart, and then her, and then she's stepping up there trying to get her car to scan. And they're they're not yelling out loud, but they're talking pretty fucking loud at each other because he's pissed off his car wouldn't scan. And I don't know if it was an EBT or a, a credit card or what it was. You know, I'm just saying. And it, apparently he didn't have the, I don't know if he didn't put the right number in or didn't have money in his account or whatever happened. I got my lottery, got the fuck out, but I thought, man, that was about five more minutes of time I wanted to spend in there than I spent. You know? Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm ready for this shit to be over with, though. Yeah, you know? me too, man. That's, that's so, where I'm at. It's, I, I've, you know, again, I've been locked in my either work or my apartment for nine months now. Um, and I'm, Kind of getting, you know, fucking itchy, you know, and yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way over this stuff, and you now that doesn't mean I'm gonna, you know, quit wearing masks and start going out in public and hanging out at bars and stuff, but right, I, I sure feel like it, but I'm not gonna do yeah. it. Yeah. Now I think that uh, that took effect too. I know the schools are still doing the uh, uh, virtual real, uh, school, and then the the restaurants. I think they cut back also to a capacity here too. I'm not sure. Like I said, they made several things uh, you couldn't do starting Friday at five o'clock. But since Friday at five o'clock, the only thing I've done, like I said, I've I went to uh, I went to the drive-through twice and and, and went out and played lottery once. So that's. That's it, man. I'm not going to be out there hanging out, you know, other than going for my walks. Yeah. But you know what? Let's talk about this week's podcast. But people do tune in so they can tune away from that real world bullshit yep. and get escapism with our wrestling podcast that we do. I uh, Just like last week. Um, so you folks know you go back a couple weeks. We did um, um, Gary Hart, great manager. We used him mostly out of uh, Texas. Then we did the Texas Territory, and then we did a big star out of that territory, Gino Hernandez. Well, this week we're starting with, and I'll kind of give you an idea where we're going to go. We're starting with the mouth of the, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, man. Um, you want to tell us this week who this week's podcast is brought to you by, and we'll get ready, ready to jump in on it? Yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby, one of the things you got to remember when you're searching the Internet is how your ISPs make money off of you. And one of those ways is they sell your searches and browsing history and all that stuff to outside vendors. And do you know how you prevent that? Uh, let me see. Use a VPN. That's it. You use a VPN, which is a virtual private network. 
Now, you can use the one that I use, which is private internet access. You can try it risk-free for 30 days. It's less than 3 bucks a month, and you get two months for free. So you go to tinyurl.com slash blazepia to try out private internet access, a, uh, a VPN I have used for, I think it's like eight or nine years now. So they are the sponsor of the show, and I thank them very much for doing so. All right. <clears throat> that said, like I said, we're going to talk about Jimmy Hart, also known as James Ray Hart. And I'm going to leave it at that because I think you have something to say right there. <laughs> I do. I do. It's it, I, I, I came to the thought a year or so back, but Ray as a name, right? My middle yeah. name is Ray, so I'm quite familiar with this. My grandfather's name was Ray. Now, my grandfather was from the South. Jimmy Hart is from the South. Terry Bam Bam Gordy's real name was Ray from the South. But you never meet anybody from outside the South who's a Ray. They're always a Raymond. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. When you when you tell me that off air, I thought this is going to be an interesting part of the conversation. I, I think you're right, man. I, I I don't have an exact answer, but I, I know there's a lot of, uh, like I said, Rays and Lees over here in the South, man. Uh, yeah. For middle names and for, you know, first name as well. But you hear the Ray from up east. I never knew the name Ray. It was, uh, it was always Raymond, you know, yeah. short for Raymond. Um, that is it. Yeah. So That's why when I meet people named Ray, I'm always curious. I ask them, you yeah. know, is that is that the full name or is your name Raymond? Yeah. And um, What do you get back? What do you get back? Well, so basically, if they're from anywhere but the south, they're <laughs> Raymond. Well, first off. A lot of times they don't understand what I'm asking. They'll think I'm asking if they prefer to be called Ray or Raymond, and that's not it. That's not what I'm trying to get at at all. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if you're using a short name or if you have a longer name. <clears throat> but if they have even a slightly discernible southern accent of some kind, it's always Ray. Okay. And it just, you know, it, it blows me away. Now, being from, I am from California. I was born here. I grew up here, you know. Um, but I've got the most southern middle name you can get with Ray. So <clears throat> I'm always well, just. We'll have to get you out here in the south sometime, man. You know, after Kent all is said and done, we'll Kentucky's have to get you over here somewhere. Kentucky's not really the south. No, I, no, that's what I'm saying. Hold on, I don't, I don't know if I want you to come to Ashland or not because you won't be impressed. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying it's just a small town in the West Virginia, Ohio border of Kentucky here in the tri-state. But what we need to do is get us somewhere in the south, like you know, get over here to the southeast United States where we can go somewhere like like a Knoxville or Atlanta or or somewhere uh, Birmingham or somewhere. Go to a big wrestling show or convention. Oh down yeah. Carolinas. Go down to Carolinas, man, to to Charlotte or somewhere. What I was getting at. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in the south. Yeah, Kentucky, we're like right where I'm at. You can go like an hour and a half, two hours, and you start getting more southern. I'm I'm more in the the, the eastern, northeastern part of the state. Um, so it's southern, but but not as southern as as the lower portion of our state. Yeah. So yeah. You're welcome to come to Ashland, but uh, I think we'd better off do some traveling, like I said, down through the Carolinas or or somewhere like that, and get get some real southern hospitality. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think I'm gonna leave some money squirreled away from when this shit's over. <clears throat> then we'll we'll pick a date or a weekend or something, and we'll fucking head down to a show or something. That'll be fun. I I know we had talked about doing um, Cauliflower Alley, but <clears throat> that all kind of fell apart. Yeah. Vegas, yeah. Um, you know, there's three places people ask me about wrestling in the U.S., and, and I haven't been to them, and, and one of them was Vegas, and I, I would really like to go. I've never been to Vegas. Uh, 
Denver, Colorado, and Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and like I'd finish up the loop before I got on those shows. I don't know why. It's just the way things worked out, you know. And I didn't press to get booked there either, you know, to, to fly in or fly out of. I went to like Salt Lake City and, and LA and San Bernardino and, you know, some of the other places on the West Coast. But um, I, I would have liked to went to Denver, um, like I said, and Vegas and Phoenix. But, um, didn't get to go those way, but maybe one day, you know, as things over, we'll meet in Vegas. Maybe do the Cauliflower Alley if that thing works out for us. If not, hell, just get out there and meet a couple of escorts or something. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I might put one quarter in a slot machine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I don't have as much fun gambling as I used to. You know, when you make yeah. when you when you make a lot more money, it, you know, you can throw away a couple hundred bucks without it hurting. Nowadays, I just get sick to my stomach at the thought. You know. Yeah. 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 No, I, All right. That's uh, it, man. Let's go on Jimmy James Ray Hart. All right. So Jimmy Hart was born in 1943. Uh, best known as a professional wrestling manager, but Bobby, he had a career before that. Yes, he did, man. He was in a band that had a top ten hit. Um, you want me to start right there? Yeah, what? let's start right okay, there. Number ten, his music, man, uh, the Gentries. So uh, he was a member of the rock band, the Gentries. I think they were um, known as the Gents, and someone said they don't think that would go, so he became the Gentries. Uh, they were best known for a top uh, 1965 top five Billboard hot hit, Keep On Dancing. Um, so that's just um, – that was, uh, I think he started in music too, like right out of high school. Like I think he graduated like 58 or 59 and was already in that band, like had been in that band obviously about five or six years at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was involved in music and I know he stayed involved in music, uh, you know, throughout his, throughout his life pretty much too. Well, uh, you know, and he's still alive and still doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Let me see here. So it looked like he had always been involved with music, like, you know, yes. in school and coming out. Um, you know, you got involved with that band. Now, the thing that I was looking at, and I was trying to figure out how it all fit together, and we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Apparently, yeah. Jerry Lawler used him for vocals on some band that he had or something. Is how they met? Yeah, they. I think they. I'm not. Even, I think they met to school together. I'm not. I don't think. I'm not sure what the whole deal was, but I know Lawler used him on a couple of things in this kind of. They hit it off. You know, I think he was doing some recordings at the radio station himself. I'm not sure exactly how that went. Yeah. But um, they were they were hanging around a lot, and, and Lawler got him into, the you know, wrestling and uh, becoming a wrestling manager because the way he could talk, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's um, – that's uh, let's go ahead and we'll move on to number yeah. nine. We're going to be pretty yeah. loose this week, guys. We're getting ready yeah. for the holidays. You know, we're just going to talk and have fun here. But uh, yeah. the Mouth of the South – is the name that he is probably best associated with. I believe that was given to him by Vince McMahon yep. for having a loose lip speaking style. And also Vince McMahon hates everything Southern. <laughs> you know, and, uh, the other thing I forgot this, uh, and I know we're not going to dwell on a whole lot here. Uh, the, um, um, he used the Colonel gimmick, gimmick there in uh, WWF for a while, too. I'd forgotten that. He used yeah. the Colonel gimmick uh, when he was doing the Honky Talk Man, I guess, um, around that time. But I had forgotten that because I always just, you know, that's like you put down there, it's one cool moniker, man, you know, where I put down there. I'm not sure. But uh, the Mouth of the South, man, everyone uh, at one point or another, uh, if you talk about a manager, and you said Jimmy Hart. They said, oh, the mouth of the South, you know. Yep. <laughs> it, 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 so you you maybe hear mouth of the South before you heard Jimmy Hart, you know. 
And let me say this. He's a sweetheart of a guy. I've got a couple of stories, but I'm going to tell them kind of inappropriately where um, where they fit in at, like if it's in Memphis or if it's in WCW or wherever, NDC or what have you. So i got a couple of stories I want to mention about that. Um, and I think that might be number eight, am I not mistaken? I believe so. And, yeah, as far as you saying he's a sweetheart of a guy, I have never heard a bad story about him. Yeah, I have never heard about him fucking anybody or sticking somebody with a check or <laughs> nothing. So <laughs> well, I'm going to talk a little bit about America, uh, about that in WCW. But back in the Memphis days here, um, you know, Memphis territory, they did. Um, I'm going to get this a little bit off. Maybe I hope I get it right. Um, if someone knows, just correct me there. I'm, I draw I drew a blank when I was coming up uh, with this. It, so Saturday mornings you had to do TV in Memphis, and then I think you went to Nashville that evening. Sunday was usually a spot show. Monday was Memphis. Uh, Tuesday was Louisville. Evansville was on a Wednesday. Um, I think there was spot shows on Thursday, and then Friday you headed back towards Nashville. I'm not sure, um, or Memphis, I'm not sure. Anyway, on uh, Thursdays, where it was a spot show, um, they started they, – I, I went down to Louisville at the Garden to see them or anything. Uh, Memphis did come to uh, my hometown uh, when they were really on fire. They only came one time and just packed this place out, man. It was really – they come to National Guard Army, and they was tearing, they were tearing people away um, in about 78 or so. But um, I went to Lexington, Kentucky, because they started doing Lexington on a Thursday. Um, I think it was one Thursday every uh, – once a month – Every couple of months like that, they would do uh, the Rupp Arena, and they'd block off half of it. They, you know, they wasn't getting twenty three thousand, you know, five like the basketball team does, but they were getting a shitload of, you know, fans down there, four or five thousand fans, pretty easy. And in '83, I got to go there and see. Um, they brought in the San Diego Chicken, and so I, I didn't know this until I went back and looked up some other footage. But I guess Jimmy Hart had, uh, so he was managing. Jesse the Body Ventura is who he was going to bring in, and Lawler was bringing in the San Diego Chicken. So I'm not sure exactly how uh, this led up to it, but apparently Jimmy Hart had to wear the chicken outfit around for a couple weeks on the loop. Now I just caught bits and pieces of that off of YouTube. But what I know is when I went to Louisville, uh, the deal was um, he was going to manage um, a really good crowd. He was going to manage uh, Jesse the Body Ventura against Jerry Lawler in the main event, but the Lawler had brought in the San Diego Chicken. I know he'd been in Memphis the night before, um, and I don't know if he'd done uh, – or I'm sorry, not Memphis the night before. He'd been in Memphis on that Monday, and I guess he went to Louisville and Evansville. I'm not sure, but I know for sure he was in Lexington on that Thursday. So I know he was in town for Memphis and Lexington, at least those shows, and I would imagine those other two. So anyway, Lawler had the San Diego Chicken out there, and uh, um, he's going to manage them. And if Lawler – wins um i don't know i can't remember what i said lawless to what the stipulation was basically the chicken come out they play some music over the loudspeakers and the chicken had this wrestling routine he wrestled a, a, a like a stuffed chicken uh, like a not a not a huge life size but a pretty good size another chicken and he beat the stuffing out of it, of course and um and then of course they had the match so that was some good entertainment there blah blah but the stipulation on this match was if if um if Lawler won, uh, the San Diego chicken got five minutes with Jimmy Hart. That's what it was. <laughs> so, um, so I was trying to think of how that match went. I thought about this all week, really, because um, as best I remember, Jimmy Hart, I don't think, was in the, um, the, the chicken costume that particular night. I'm not sure. 
But anyway, I do know that uh, at the end of the match, they got five minutes because Lawler went over, of course. And the body, I wanted to see Jesse, the body Ventura, because he was, he was over. And again, this is early in his career. You know, um, he, he just uh, been at AWA, you know, just big, strong, still in his prime, you know, beef looking guy. And um, anyway, at the end of the match, um, they, they did about, you know, you say five minutes. It might have been three, but it might have been five against one of those things. Uh, and Hart basically stayed at bay, stayed at bay, you know, running away from the chicken running. You know, they, they, they did the bit good, you know. Yeah. But finally, I think he got him and scooped him up and slammed him and, you know, then he pinned Jimmy Hart or whatever. And again, um, I just I just saw the other thing in the footage on the uh, – uh, not footage. I'm sorry. I heard a story on um, that Hart had to wear that costume around all week. Uh, prior to that show or maybe the, the week after. I'm not sure how it was to set it up for the chicken to come in. But you got to remember that's when the San Diego chicken was a big draw uh, around the country, um, you know. Uh, so anyway, that's my story about uh, the Memphis, the time that, you know, the San Diego chicken came here in the Memphis territory. Um, again, I'm just, you know, I'm going back to just being a, a teenager and, and trying to recall knowing that, um, you know, that was the main event with Lawler and uh, Ventura with the San Diego Chicken and Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart played it up perfectly, of course, because everyone, everyone wanted to see him in a San Diego Chicken, and that's what they got to see. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, of course, much. It wasn't a five-star wrestling match. It was just, it was just what it was, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he got it over, man. It was really great. It was, you know, fuck, I, it was fun. It was fun. For a college kid to get to go down there and watch it, it was fun, you know. Yeah, well, that's um, being a wrestling fan, you know. kind of kind of a lost art, I mean, because they don't really use managers now but was that when somebody finally got to put a beating on the manager that was always yeah. like that that was fire i remember yeah, i'm not sure how they built it up with um i know i know it was lawler and and hart would always bring us some win which we'll go to in a second but um um, I'm not sure how they brought in the San Diego chicken. You know what I'm saying? I, they, they must have done a chicken match on TV or something. I don't know the, I don't know the stipulation, professor, as to why they brought in the sports, um, uh, gimmick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there was, there was a buildup to it, is what I was getting at. Um, so, uh, and yeah, they use managers. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, you know, I was thinking about, you know, that and then, um, oh, Greg Gagne trying to get Bobby Heenan into that weasel suit for that year. And, you know, finally, oh, yeah. you know, just all that kind of stuff, you know, with the, this, the, the mascot suits and, you know, finally somebody gets their hands on Jimmy Hart or Bobby Heenan or whoever, you know, and right. that was, you know, just, just kind of a lost piece of storytelling. Um, it, it, it kind of goes back to that promoters and bookers really used to know how to get an audience worked into a lather. You know, and they could they could push an audience in a direction, you know, like you got nine guys in the ring and okay, so and so is gonna have to put his title on the line against one of these people and then, you know, they could get the audience to go the direction they want them to yeah, go by yeah. you know, just by having somebody act like a chicken shit or whatever, yeah. you know. And also drawing out that angle like we've talked about before, you know, I'm not saying it took like twelve or sixteen months to build up the, the Ventura angle with the San Diego chicken. But I know it did build up over several weeks on the on the Memphis television television to have a reason to have him come in, you know. So it was each week they give you a little bit give you a little bit more until you're finally going to get that big payoff of oh, okay, Jimmy Hart's going to get his, you know. And Jimmy Hart was so good at that, you know. Um, anyway, let's talk about his first family. How about that? Yeah, number abs- seven. Absolutely. So the first family was formed um, after Jimmy Hart and Jerry Lawler split. 
And, uh, you know, true, true fashion, you know, when you got a heroic character, you have to have a stable of bad guys, uh, who are trying to take them down. And a lot of people went through the first family with Jimmy Hart. Um, I'm going to name some names here. King Kong Bundy, Ravishing Rick Rude, Lanny Poffo, Jimmy Anvil Neidhart. I got to take a quick aside here, Bobby. Yeah. Did you ever, back in the day, watching the Anvil wrestle, look at him and go, man, I bet his daughters are going to be hot. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in Australia with him on a bus <laughs> going from one town to another town. And, uh, you know, you're standing there, and I was, everyone's sitting there having a few beers after the show. It's just a couple hours ride outside of Sydney. It was only one of the few times we took a bus. We used on a plane over there. And I never once looked at him thinking, you know, hey, one day this guy's going to have some good-looking daughters. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, no, no, thank you. I was just too busy yeah. watching him uh, rub his beard down like he does, you know, yeah, and just kind of keep my eye out like, uh, I'm just over here drinking my beer, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. who would have saw that coming, you know? I mean, it just, it's, yeah. a, it's a stunner. Um, uh, Ox Baker, the master of the heart punch, you know. Yeah, there uh, you go. Kamala, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, the Iron Sheik, and last but not least, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. And that's, there, there's been others coming and going too. There were yeah. several, you know, first families early on in that Memphis territory. At one at one point, wasn't um, uh, Bobby Eaton and a uh, uh, couple other guys there, you know, come under his you know, I think even Buddy Landell maybe was in the first family at some point, you know, yeah, different, um, heels, different heels at that time. Was, was Austin Idol in there as well? or was uh, he Yes, a, Austin yeah. Idol, I think, came in at one time as being that. Like I said, then I'd mentioned Ventura, even though he wasn't like a part uh, – full-time, you know, family member, but he you, he could have been part of that, found, you know, the, the, the family, first family that Hart had. Um, and we're pretty much just going to put this ties one together. So basically from 1978 to 85 is when we're talking about when we're talking about the Memphis wrestling. Um, I really do apologize. I know that Hart and Lawler, I swear I want to say, went to school together and met shortly thereafter school, and it had something to do with the music, obviously. And I don't want to be redundant on that, but if someone like to correct us out there, please feel free to. You can get a hold of us on Twitter. Now, Jeremy's told me the Facebook page has jumped off the hook a little bit, and I'm really happy for that. And that's over there at Bell to Bell Blaze. Uh, I'm on Twitter, as is the professor. I'm at Bobby Blaze. 744. The professor is at the Geekish Cast, but our joint account, and we've gained about 10 or 15 more people off that just in the last week. So welcome aboard to that. That is at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. And this give us some information. I know like Adam last week sent in some information. Uh, we appreciate that. Any kind of, uh, uh, you know, pictures, um, any storylines that, you know, you recall that we're talking about that may be like, oh yeah, here, here's an article. Here's what really happened. You know, um, like I said, that's really good. The, um, um, one of the, I guess one of the most famous angles ever in professional wrestling, and Jimmy Hart was a part of that. You want to go into that, Professor, um, um, that took place? Yeah, let's go ahead and let's see here. Let's talk about that. It was number, number six there, and it's around 1982. One of the most famous angles, what I think one of the most famous angles ever in wrestling, um, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, and Andy Kaufman, okay, so I, you know, I was old enough to pay attention kind of to this. Taxi was still on the air, and it was hot. I mean, Taxi was was a big deal show, you know. Um, yeah. And Andy Kaufman was on there for the first couple seasons. Uh, the dude was a, 
somewhere between a comedic genius and an absolute madman. Um, yeah. You know, he would go into character and never come out. Uh, he he did some wild, wild stuff. Well, he got into wrestling, um, declaring himself the intergender wrestling champion, if I remember correctly. That is correct, yes. Yeah. And Jimmy Hart really came to national attention for the first time with Kaufman. Yeah. Um, because they had a major, I think it was ABC, major TV star, you know, to come in through to Memphis. And that really, you know, you got you got to realize this is back when wrestling was regionalized. And, uh, you know, you had what's going on up in the Northeast Corridor. You had your, you had, by this time, you did have your cable TV and what's going on, you know, in, in Georgia Championship or NWA, if you will. And then, of course, you had stuff going on in other parts of the country to Memphis, or excuse me, uh, AWA up in Minnesota and California. And, but Memphis, they had that full territory in the hills, the southern, that mostly drew, you know, all the, the people from that area. Uh, but this here put Memphis on a national territorial uh uh now we know about this memphis wrestling that takes place every week because it's andy kaufman comes in with his inner uh gender championship that he can whip any girl you know pretty much and uh uh comes on tv man and just starts uh getting a pot get, i was gonna say podcast getting a little promo in every week about you know how he could whip a girl and he could do this and do that and Hell, there's one promo. He had some big girl named Tammy or something held down by the pool spanking her. You know, just, just you know, always bad mouthing them wrestlers and wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, anyway, go on, Jeremy. I just run on forever. Oh no, no, no. It's if uh, I remember right, um, it was on the Letterman show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they went on the Letterman show. Now I was, I'm a little bit older than you, so I do recall that pretty good. That, uh, yeah, they would, they went on there. Um, of course, Kaufman. Uh, was going to sue Lawler. See, Lawler, if you go back and watch the footage even, um, he, he gave him the pile driver. You know, it wasn't much of a match, but boom, he gave him the pile driver, and he said that caused him to have cancer. Mm-hmm. He went on Letterman, and he said he was going to sue Lawler, you know, and he's up there and this and that. And then anyway, Lawler stands up. And the funny thing to me was, because, I mean, I basically think it was a shoot anyway and bought into it, you know. So Lawler... Uh, stands up, smacks the piss out of Andy Kaufman, and basically knocks him out of the chair and this and that. But the funniest bit to me was, because it's all about timing, so Kaufman <laughs> kind of goes off screen around away from Lawler, who's just standing there and getting ready to take a seat back. And he runs up behind Letterman, and he starts cussing, just uh, just horse custom, you know, you mother, whatever he's saying, whatever, you know. And they're trying to catch the beeps or whatever, because, you know, it's the Letterman show. And then he picks up the coffee and throws it in Lawler's face. <laughs> and right onto the beat, man, before they go to commercial, Letterman says, how many times have I told you people, you can cuss and say whatever you want on this show, but you never throw coffee. <laughs> 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 and he just went to the commercial, and they come back and they had it all cleared up. Man, it's just one of those damn timing things, you know. But uh, And I didn't even look at that online, uh, or maybe my brain would have been more refreshed, but uh, but I bet you can find it on, online somewhere uh, with the uh, Hart, Lawler, Kaufman angle um, around that time, starting around 82 or so. And I want to say it was Jimmy Hart. Hart is the person I heard give the he gave Andy Kaufman cancer line. 
Um, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think he said it. I think he said it after Kaufman died. But yeah, okay. I, I I do remember there was an occasion where Jimmy Hart said it, and I was like, I was stunned by just like, holy shit! You can't you can't bring that up. But it was Memphis wrestling. Everything yeah. was fair game, yeah. you know. Fair game, fair game. So I I forgot this. Um, you want to tell us about this wimp nickname? I, I, because I know we're going to go with this song, and I had forgotten that part of it. And I, see, I didn't even know about this. This is one okay, of the things. I, okay. Yeah, well, this is one of the things I love about doing this show because we'll pick a topic. And it'll be somebody like Jimmy Hart. I figure I know I know a lot about Jimmy Hart. No, I don't know shit about Jimmy Hart, apparently, because this. Uh, so Jerry Lawler gave him the nickname The Wimp. would be kind of like, you know, how the weasel caught on with Bobby the Brain. Right. And, uh, they give him the name The Wimp, but they even had a song, Bobby. So why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, <laughs> you know that. I guess it was Wimp Busters, man, which was sung by Lawler to the tune of Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> and uh, you, they said even made a music video. What's the finest, man? Uh, featuring uh, Lawler, announcer Lance Russell, and wrestlers such as Savage, Valiant, uh, Dutch Mantel, Tommy Rich, uh, Rufus R. Jones. Man, I haven't talked about him forever. And along with footage of uh, Lawler beating Hart and his, quote, first family. So, uh, Wimp Busters, man, I'd forgotten all about that. I'm going to have to check that out, man. Who you going to call? And, and yeah, that's funny, man. And Lawler, you know, he's just, he must be so creative of an art you know you some of his artwork and mm-hmm. he's had he's had albums out and stuff so he's musical you know i'm you know i mean he might not be uh i don't know the greatest singer in the world but hell he's got enough talent to carry a tune you know and have fun with it just like we're trying to have fun on this episode but i totally forgot about wimp busters of course i know you know uh ghostbusters i know the tune so i'm gonna have to try to look that up man i i uh, just found a, a a youtube clip for it so yeah okay it's out there yeah okay good Speaking of YouTube, just so people know, we still have a YouTube channel out there. Um, it's at uh, tinyurl.com slash bbbbvideo. And there's just a, there's a bunch of videos that Tex Johnson had done for us. And um, there's about, a, I know it's like 1.6 million views out there, so people still viewing it. Every once in a while, I'll get one out and, and pick it up and, and, and watch it. When I say pick it up, I pick up my phone, I watch it. And then I go in there and I start sharing it on my Twitter feed because um, uh, we done one a couple weeks back. Um, sorry about that. I had my old face <clears throat> for a second. Um, anyway, uh, concerning another manager we were doing, and I told Jeremy, I said, man, we were on that day. Let's go back, and we got to get back in that stride, man, right there, you know. And um, anyway, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, there's there's uh, toughest people on there, top managers on there. This would be a good time. Uh, for all of you to go back here and visit that YouTube channel and type in the uh, uh, top 10 managers, man, because we had a really good list, and Jimmy Hart's on that list, and I didn't watch it this week, to be honest with you. I watched the one we done on uh, Gary Hart a few weeks ago and stuff, but I didn't watch it. My internet was down, people. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't watch a lot of stuff, and I came back online. I had highlighted some things and sent into the notes that we're using on Google Notes, or uh, Google Docs rather, and the professor, once again, came through because he had filled in a bunch of blanks for me so i appreciate that because i i wasn't getting anything out there even on twitter world and i realized i was out of data too on my phone i had to uh, take care of that i think it was yesterday morning before i got back one live my phone so anyway not making excuses just saying i didn't get to watch um some of this stuff uh is that pretty much sign up uh take us up to uh 1985 to 1983 of the WWE, being number five now, I think. 1985 to 1983. 
That can't be uh, right. Yeah, I know. We got our dates wrong. That should yeah. say 1993, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a typo. Well, I got it. Okay, there we go. Changed it to WWE. Uh, yeah, okay, first uh, accusation in the WWF was Greg the Hammer Valentine, then the Intercontinental Champion. How about that? Um, at WrestleMania. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I always feel like I have to point this out to people. There was a time when Greg the Hammer Valentine was hot shit. Oh, for sure, man. And sure. guys my age, I, I don't know if if enough of us actually recognize that because, like, the last thing you remember of him was Rhythm and Blues. Yeah. And that's not really a fair representation of his career because, I mean, he used to be in a tag team with Ric Flair. Exactly, man. They burned it up down in the Carolinas, yeah. man. And uh, he broke Wahoo's leg. You may reference mm-hmm. to that shirt last week. I mean, he's a talented motherfucker, man. We might do something with Greg the Hammer Valentine one day. So, yeah, he's uh, hard, hard management of <clears throat> first WrestleMania. Yeah, so he's one of those guys that gets forgotten. Um, apparently, it was Hillbilly Jim who got Hart brought in to the WWF. Yeah, I um, think you're right. Yeah, so um, Jimmy Jimmy Hart, his contacts are paying off left and right. Jerry Lawler gets him into wrestling in the first place. He has a nice long career in Memphis. Now he gets to go up to the Northeast, um, that you know, because of his association with Hillbilly Jim. Um, he jumps right into the management scene. He you know, starts the Greg Hammer Valentine. Um, I believe then he put together Bret Hart and uh, the Anvil into the Hart Foundation was his next uh, next grouping, right? Yeah, well, he had the Funks there, too. Oh, yeah. The funks, yeah. There. funks was a little bit before that. I think he had the Funks uh, in 85, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he had the Terry and Haas Funk was uh, Dory Funk Jr., of course, and they had a kayfabe brother, Jimmy Jack Funk. I never, never understood that because... It just, I don't know, just, just the way WWF does their business. Uh, but I do know that a couple things there. The, um, uh, I was just telling my brother this the other day because I told him we was doing Jimmy Hart. Uh, Terry Funk was, I don't, I don't think it was during this time, but Funk had went back for another run up there in the Northeast. And I always talk about the Briscoes, uh, is what, why it came up. Uh, one of them, um, so anyway, long story short, I guess Terry Funk could just, uh, Walked into the hotel room one night and told Jimmy, said, fuck it, tell Vince I'm done. He was in like a two-week loop, and he just left like middle of the week. You know, of course, he, he came back through the years, of course, but it's just one of those things that started getting crazy, you know, in those loops up there. But he was rooming with Jimmy Hart, and he just said he'd come into the room one night, and he said, fuck it, I'm going home. Tell, tell Vince I'm done. Wow. <laughs> and just went back to the to the ranch, you know. But um, you put it here also that um, uh, that he wanted – in 19 – I see – Hart wrestled on house shows with the Funks. On July 12, 1986, Hart won a battle royal to receive a $50,000 check at Madison Square Garden. See, I didn't know that. Then you can go back to 87, or up to 87, now we're there. I had that uh, chronologically wrong there. But anyway, Hart and the Hart Foundation in 87. Yeah, and that would be really where what I remembered him most for was his association yeah. with the Hart Foundation. 
I do too. Yeah. Once he once through to Memphis, and now we're in the WWF. I think this is probably even the Valentine thing had eluded me. Uh, but once he started doing this, and again we're looking at '87 here when he started uh, uh, with the Heart Foundation. That's when most people. I think that's when really the mouth of the South really really caught on big. You know, being a manager for for the uh, the Hearts and that whole Heart Foundation. It just fit in so perfect with their you know the purple and black and 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 Brett being the you know the talented person he was in the ring and Anvil just being a big strong guy and then Jimmy being the talker I mean it was just fucking Heart Foundation was over man they had and they had good matches because at that time they had the Bulldogs to work with yeah and all them guys had been to Calgary and Japan and they could pretty much do everything they needed to do or want to do in the ring um and they you know even though the the tag team's division sometimes isn't you know very very strong in WWE that was one of the times they actually was you know them guys were having some good tag team matches and not really um like a lot of other matches on a card that was kind of you know the traditional WWE FWWE working style or whatever, those tag team matches they have to boil over really, really good matches. Yeah. Really good matches. You know, I heard somebody refer to the Stu Hart style the other day as Canadian strong style. And that was actually probably the, the best simple way to describe the guys that came out of the dungeon. They, yeah, that's pretty good. I never heard <clears> that. Yeah, it was, it was just some random throwaway line on a YouTube video or something, but they call it Canadian strong style. And it's true. Now you go watch these guys because there's four of them right there with the British Bulldogs and uh, right. and the Hart Foundation. They're, those are guys who went through Stu Hart, and you can see it. And you can see how that style would gel really well with Anokis in Japan too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they definitely put on a show. And the Hart Foundation may have one of my top two or three favorite team finishers too. Because that, yeah. that clothesline looked like it would cut your head off. <laughs> you know, yeah, just, that's a good bump, man. Yeah. Um, it was it was always a nice looking one. I'm, you know, I, I put it there with the Doomsday device. I, just as okay. far as, like, as moves you can watch, as a team move you can see. I yeah. love that one, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, at WrestleMania 3, let's move right along here, man. Hart was involved in three matches, man. Uh, he was known for taking some incredible bumps during the show. He was out there with uh, adorable Adrian Adonis at first, who fought Rowdy Piper. Uh, hey, I fought Rowdy Roddy Piper once, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got whipped. <laughs> just, <laughs> There's just a do- video on YouTube about that, too. Yeah. Just doing your job, Bobby. That's all yeah. it was. And you know what? Thankfully... No COVID back in, because I spit in Roddy Piper's face, and I live to tell about it. And spitting in someone's face is the most disrespectful things you could ever do to someone. Yeah. But I, but I, but I listened to what the boss told me, and I did what I was supposed to do, and yeah. it all turned out all right. I'll just say that. Um, and let's see here. Let's see. Then he was a six-man tag match, putting the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against the Bulldogs and Tito Santana. And his third appearance was with the Honky Tonk Man that fought Jake the Snake Roberts, who had rock legend Alice Cooper, a personal favorite of the professor of the mine, in his corner. And following the match, Hart was left alone in the ring where Roberts and Cooper teamed up and terrorized Roberts with his snake, Damien. And I knew a little bit about that match because that was uh, WrestleMania three. I didn't know uh, for, what, a year or so, however long it took me to see one that, you know, they played little segments on on the show mm-hmm. and the magazines and this and that. And then you, from being around the business, you know, you just like, oh, man, the, the, the WrestleMania 
Super Bowl, that's the thing I always got into every year. And so uh, all the celebrities and stuff, and, and there's Alice Cooper. Yeah. And who better to be with a snake than Alice Cooper, man? You know, that, that was pretty cool, I thought, man. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that that was a wild year. Wasn't – did Ozzy Osbourne come to the ring with um, the British Bulldogs or something? There was, like, so many celebrities there that, like, you could just, like, randomly throw a name in, and you're probably right, you know? I think you're, I think I was going to say you're probably right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, okay. Before we move on here to number four, uh, Jimmy Hart was named man, pro wrestling illustrator manager of the year in 1987, an award he would win again in 1994. And, um, that's going to take us up to 1994 through 2001, where he'd done a little bit of time with, uh, world championship wrestling, a little business down in Atlanta, Georgia there from Turner Broadcasting. Um, won't you tell them about some of the music and stuff there? Then I'll tell a little personal story about Jimmy there. Okay. Well, um, so this is one. I, I don't know what their personal relationships was like, but I have to imagine it's pretty good. So Hart was hanging out with Hogan. He was even doing mm-hmm. like his regular TV show, like Thund- uh, Thunder in Paradise was the name of it. I believe right. he had a couple songs on there as well. Um, and so he goes to WCW with Hogan. While he's there, he also takes over a lot of the musical duties at WCW, which is where we discover the Jimmy Hart version of music, which (laughs) is where you take a hit song, change a couple bars, and call it an original uh, original creation. Yeah. (laughs) All you got to do is change three notes, people. Yep. I had a theme song there. I'm sure Jimmy probably done it, too. I would assume so. You know, I was going to ask you about that, and I wanted to save it for now. Okay. Do you remember your theme song there at all? I mean, does it stand out to you in any way, or is it just it's done in production and therefore you don't care? It, it, um, someone, the other day, no lie, someone sent me a match I had against Alex Wright, and I played it, uh, played it on the, um, YouTube there. I just had to be maybe Wednesday night because I had, had, had internet. I know that. So probably Wednesday night. Uh, I slept since then. Anyway, I, it showed my entrance, and and Jeremy, I still don't know what that music. You know what I'm saying I hear it whenever yeah. I watch an old. This was Alex writing myself from 19 like 98. Someone sent it to me. Uh, Shane Storm, thank you. He sent it to me, and uh, it was one I, I kicked out of Alex Wright's finish. Is what happened. That was famously known throughout the, amongst the boys that uh, Bobby Blaze kicked out of Alex's right finishes on TV. Ooh. And I did, by God. But I got fired. I know that. Um, straight straight <laughs> shooting, man. But, yeah, he had, he, we had like four minutes for like boom bada boom bada boom So the, after the music, you know, I get a music intro. He's out there doing the, the Das Wonder Kid Condance, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, fuck this noise. Let's go. We got like four minutes. I want to get my shit out. I ain't been there like a week or, a week or two. Um, because I had got my tryout match, and then I went to Orlando to do the TV taping. Well, this here was uh, while being at Orlando doing taping, I went down to like Fort Myers or to uh, to Tampa or somewhere and had to wrestle Alex on a house show. Well, for, for taping for the Saturday Night Live, rather. Or not Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Wrestling, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And, man, he's fucking around, he's fucking around, he's a young kid. And, you know, I, I know what my job is. I'm there to supposed to be guiding these motherfuckers somewhat, you know. Um, I'm one of... Some things are going to happen. So, man, he starts rushing like a motherfucker. like, And I'm like, fucking just slow down, slow down, you know. But anyway, because the referee's like, one minute, one minute. And uh, he threw an uppercut, man, European uppercut. It got me in a job pretty good, I'm not going to lie. 
and I was like, you motherfucker. I mean, I, you know, I took it personal. You're not supposed yeah. to take things personal, but he was just rushing, you know what I'm saying? And uh, being, being an asshole, basically. Uh, not trying to hurt me. It wasn't intentional, nothing like that. But anyway, so when he goes for the German suplex, <laughs> my my head is right by the ropes, my feet. You know, when, he, when he brought me over for the suplex, I heard the one-two. Well, I heard the referee, like, knees hit the mat first, of course, and then the one-two. So in my mind, that might be one-two-three. I don't know, but it's like one-two, and I just kept on rolling through and right out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I got out of the ring, um, someone said to me, uh, you need to see Terry Taylor. So I went to the <laughs> war room. It's straight shoot, man. I went to the war room and um, I knocked on the door. Uh, Terry's like, uh, yeah, come in. I opened the door. There's Terry Taylor. He's standing there. Arn is sitting at a chair like right behind him. And Flair's laying on a couch on the other side over there. They got to work later on. Uh, uh, Flair does. Arn's just, you know, they, he's been a road agent. And, and Terry's like, Bobby, <laughs> he goes, you just kicked out of Alex's finish on uh, national TV. And I was like, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. And I was like, uh, I know I'm busted. Flair's grinning, Arn's grinning, Terry's looking at me like, you know what you fucking did. And so I was like, yeah, I go, uh, yeah, yes, sir, I, I know. And he goes, um, he goes, look, he goes, I know you come from a territory. He goes, we all do. And he goes, but this is just TV. He said, you know, you're used to being kept over strong in a territory, always kick out at the third count, you know, still kick your shoulder up. And I said, yes, sir. You know, even if you're getting beat, you still want to, you know, I don't have to tell them guys. They yeah, guys, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, yeah, I was just kicked out early, I guess. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but don't let it happen again. He goes, you know, your job here is, he goes, man, uh, we're glad to have you. He goes, here's the thing. He goes, we're going to give you some guys and you're going to win. And sometimes you're not going to win. Whatever you do, don't kick out of anyone else's finish the rest of the time you're here. A lot of yes, sir. So I had to drive back to Orlando with that on my mind. I didn't sleep real good that night. Next morning at 9.30 when I went to Universal Studios, I pulled Terry Taylor aside man to man. And I said, man, I just want you to know I wasn't trying to bullshit you. I said, because you guys knew what I did. I said, but, man, I, I just – he goes, we, we cleared it up last night, Bobby. It's, it's, it's done. We're good. And I was like, so I'm good? He goes, yeah, you're good. And we left it there, and I kept my job for like another two and a half, three years, whatever it was, because I stayed the full time the contract. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it might have been Jimmy Hart that said, Terry wants to see you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, oh, and, and, and that's just a story, because uh, to answer your story about the music, uh, no, I, I remember other songs I've come out to, obviously, but that, that song there, I don't know. It's just a beat in my head, and, and I've heard it as recently as Thursday, or Wednesday or Thursday because I did watch that match the other that Shane Storm had sent me on, on YouTube. Uh, uh, he is, it's an actually it's the whole show, and he has told me what minute to go to. is like the last five minutes of the programming or whatever. What I wanted to say there, I put my other story in here. Uh, since we're talking about Jimmy Hart, though, this is where I really found out Jimmy Hart is a sweetheart of a guy. Um, because towards the end of my contract, you know, I, I, I don't mention uh, Terry and Arn being road agents, Kevin Sullivan being a road agent, but Jimmy Hart was doing a lot of uh, booking the shows too. And um, Jimmy, I, we had like 150 guys on like contract. They were letting people go like left and right. They cut down like 75 people pretty quick. 
And I was still in that group of 75, you know, and then they went from like um, 75 to like 60 people. That's who was showing up. We had like 60 people at a fucking raw or I'm saying raw at Nitro or Thunder or, you know, TV taping, you know, now uh, TV taping. You, know, you might have guys on contract, but also some other guys coming in. So still about 60 people. But Jimmy Hart was like, you know, Bobby, he, he would tell me, he's like, Bobby, I'm just trying to keep people keeping their job, man. Just keep doing what I'm asking, you know. And I flew into I, I got dropped on my head out in Texas uh, by Big Sid. And um, I had to get flown home because I had a concussion. Imagine that. Um, so I went to the, the doctor. Next doctor, he immediately sent me to the emergency room, and they done all this, you know, CAT scan and stuff and all that. It, it was a severe concussion. And um, um, anyway, they put me on like a two-week uh, disabled list, if you will, that I wasn't returning to TV for two weeks. And all that's legit, you know, it's documented, whatever. Well, um, I was anxious to get back on the road um, because, you know, I, I liked wrestling. I loved wrestling, you know. And um, so, uh, you know, the headaches went away, the, the all that stuff. Concussion ran its course, if you will. Um, but they made me take two weeks off. But um, so we had to go to Roanoke, Virginia. And I, the reason i never forget this part of the concussion part was I'd had that concussion, so I was home for a couple of weeks. Apparently, Roanoke, Virginia is under 300 miles from my home. I always thought it was a bit farther than that, but apparently it hits that um, if you're under 300 miles, they don't fly you. You have to drive. So I get in my car to go to um, to Roanoke, Virginia to wrestle that night, and the crew's already, like I said, the crew's already, they're cutting people left and right. Um, uh, anyway, when I get there, Jimmy's there, and he's like, Hey, Bobby Blaze, how are you? Uh, brother, I don't have you on my list tonight to work. Um I don't have medical clearance for you. And I said, well, I got medical clearance. I had some papers with me. And I said, I, I said, you can call into the office. What it was, the office didn't have the medical papers yet, but I had some on me. Um, and it's just where we was on a the road. They didn't fax them. They didn't fax them out to Roanoke. They faxed them down to Atlanta, you know. Yeah. So that day, there was really bad storms, windy as can be. Power lines were out everywhere. Planes were delayed. It was a crazy day. But Jimmy Hart was like, Bobby, just stay here and help me, man. Just stand here and help me a little bit. He said, let's make sure we got enough matches. Uh, we get the boys put together. He said, I just, I can't have you in the ring. I don't have your clearance. And I said, no, Jimmy, that's good. And he said, do me a favor. Just stay until we know we got all the matches covered. And in case I need you to do something, I said, yes, sir. So I stayed till the house show started. And then I started heading back home. It was so windy. I had to pull over and get a, a hotel room when we were home. But um, it was just one of those things where Jimmy was always looking out for the boys. Uh, like you said, you never heard anything bad about him. He was always a peacekeeper, you know. Yeah. And uh, but he, he said and he told me more than once. He goes, Bobby, I'm just trying to keep you guys with a job, man. He goes, when I ask you to do something on TV, just do it. Because he was booking at that time. And, and just that's my WCW story with him because he's such a sweetheart of a guy. And he was straight up like, you know, hey, this, this is where I got you at. This is what I need you doing. Um, it was no, um, you know, it was no problem because it was easy to do business with him. Uh, when he was when he was the agent those couple of times that that while I was there because you know they interchanged and people came and left and this and that but that was turning into the time they were getting ready to get bought out of course too yeah so, well that, that uh, anyway. had, to a, had to be a kind of a tricky time I'm sure and yeah. I I imagine like everybody in that business that's that's probably if you're an agent, that's probably like your number one thing is like, I don't want anybody losing their fucking job while I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, just, you know, 
JJ, when I when I when I I heard everyone heard people getting released, we'd show up like say myself and the Armstrongs, and we look around and go like man, like like 60 people here. Yeah, her so-and-so got let go. Her so-and-so got let go. You know, you just hearing that all the time, you know. Like, I was getting some tea one day uh, at, at catering, and Arn just walked up to me right beside me. He didn't have to do this, but just a good dude. And Arn, just, he, was getting, he started pouring on some coffee. He said, Bobby, whatever you do, don't give him a reason to let you go. And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, I've been, since I've been back here nine years, he goes, I haven't been let go in nine years. And I go, yes, sir. And I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't going to give them a fucking reason, man, because I, I wanted to do my job, you know. But they were letting a lot of people go. But uh, JJ actually called me uh, a day ahead of time. And I'd already had tickets to go to uh, Louisiana, I think it was. And um, airline tickets had come in for a TV taping. And uh, then I get a call later that evening. And uh, JJ's one called. And he said, we talked, we spoke, you know, just like two gentlemen do. And he said, you know, Bobby, it's one of the toughest parts of my job. And as you know, we've been letting people go, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he goes, I just want to let you know you'll be getting um, a notification by FedEx in the next day or two. Um, but I, I do know it's been sent out. I uh, guess, sir, I understand, you know, business decision. It wasn't personal, you know. Yeah. And uh, next day, FedEx, you know, sent your paperwork in. And, of course, I had like a 90-day no complete cause, thankfully, and, um, some other things they had owed me some royalties on, uh, some reimbursement airline tickets, um, and some, um, reimbursement car rentals and, um, royalties from the video game, which I knew was getting ready to come out. Uh, and thankful those things happen. Everything happens for a reason sometimes, you know, but, um, anyway, let's go to, uh, Jimmy Hart here. We're finishing up on him. Um, you know, I saw him the last couple of years. Uh, Jeremy, I saw him at a, a show we had here. With um, uh, uh, Charles, the wrestling agent, I'm going to shout out to uh, Joe, the wrestling agent, once again this week. Let me give him a shout out to FTC. I know they're going to be having a, a camp coming opening pretty soon over in Ironton, Ohio. Uh, DM uh, FTC or DM me if you're interested in that. But uh, back to Jimmy Hart, I've got a postcard in my hand. I'm going to try to take a picture of it and put it up on my Twitter feed later this afternoon or tomorrow. Um, it's at the, the Milan, uh, Malin Inn at 103 South Ocean Avenue. So if you're ever in Daytona Beach, Jimmy Hart has a um, uh, Bayfront property, um, Jimmy Hart's Hall of Fame Bar and Tiki tiki Deck. And uh, he's got a real cool Cadillac um, sitting out in front of it here, a big white Cadillac with pink uh, pinkish tires and pink uh, top and a big mouth of the south segment down the side of it and Daytona Beach. Jimmy Hart's picture on a car. I try to get that put up there. Um, so uh, also one other thing here, um, Jimmy, just a good dude, man. He flew in for that show uh, from um, Tampa area, I, I figure. Um, he flew in from Tampa to Cincinnati. And then from Cincinnati, he had a three-hour drive all the way over to where we we're at, right outside of Huntington, West Virginia, Jeremy. Then they were leaving that show to go back to Cincinnati to do a Sunday afternoon show. That was a Saturday afternoon show. So he was going to go back to to Cincinnati on Sunday and do another show. So that's a pretty good weekend, man, from leaving on a Friday, you know, to get to uh, to to, to uh, West Ohio and West Virginia do a couple shows. And he even went down to the middle of town there where they do the, um, you know, the, the, the bandstands at. And he goes, hey, you're, you know, Mouth of the South, dude. He put us over that, you know, two blocks away up on that hill right there is a wrestling ring, and you're going to see some live action. And he started naming all the guys who were going to be there and this and that. So just a really, really good dude, man. Um, 
That's going to finish up kind of number three. Other than um, he had a book, The Mouth of the South, which was released in November of uh, 2004. Uh, maybe we'll get a link up there for this week for that. We didn't put one up this week. But uh, go to number two and one, Jeremy, we'll finish up. How's All right. That? Well, number two is uh, Jimmy Hart was a snappy dresser. I mean, where, where, do you get, yeah. where do you get those kind of clothes at, man? Um, I don't know. You I, always say dapper, so when you said snappy this time. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say this was dapper. I wouldn't say exactly. it was dapper. I know yeah. that's what I was getting at, yeah. yeah. That's what I was getting at, man. Um, uh, I remember in heavy metal magazines back in about this time, you know, mid mid to late 80s, there would always be those weird ads towards the back, and there would be like, you know, all this tiger print shit and blah, blah, blah. And I remember, like, I'd start seeing blazers here and there that would have these wild animal prints and bright colors. And every time I saw them, I thought, that looks like something Jimmy Hart would wear. Mm. You know, that was what I was thinking every time <laughs> they popped up. But, yeah, that guy wore some just loud clothing. And I guess it yeah. matches his mic, or not his microphone, his uh, megaphone. megaphone. Yeah. And if you notice, too, I always like this, man. I, I'm sure he wore other kinds, but most of the time, I'm going to say 95% of the time, maybe 99% of the time, dude always had some Converse on, some Chuck Taylor tennis shoes of whatever color, pink, black, whatever his outfit was. He always wore them tennis shoes that matched it, too. Um, if you ever see him in tennis shoes, they look like they're always Converse, Chuck Taylor. Oh, I'll I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, he, he wore those matched up, you know, with, uh, with his outfits. In a megaphone. That's all coordination, you know, Yeah. to be a snappy dresser like that. Exactly. Now, I, I told that story, Jeremy, about, um, by the way, you got me last week on a uh, free bird rule. So I know this week, I don't think you're going to have a free bird rule on me. I don't have one for you, but man, that was, you put that over pretty damn good last week when, when we started to go off. Um, we was talking about, um, um, shit. Gino. Gino. I started to say talk. Yeah. <laughs> Gino, and, um, you know, you said he's a dapper dresser, and I went with that. And then you said, Bobby, i got to throw out the free bird rule, and boom, you went on about how Gino went out, and that was over. I got some feedback on that, too, I, and I appreciate that. It's really good. I don't think you have anything to top this. I told that story how much energy um, or how much travel he was doing that weekend. Um, just foreshadowed there for you, Jeremy. Setting you up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you're just going to give us the number one rule or number one reason that we love Jimmy Hart or one number reason that why uh, Jimmy Hart is so over. Yeah. Uh, number one, I, I have this down as the dude is the Energizer Bunny, even at yep. his age. So yep. think about it. He was born in 1943. That means dude's pushing 80. Yeah. And you'll still see him like uh, Burt Prentice runs that USA wrestling down in Memphis yeah. area. He still Jenny Hart will still come down there and go do radio shows and stuff to promote uh, shows. And you listen to him on the mic and dude is a, a million words a minute. And just I mean, yeah. just bouncing off the walls with energy. And, you know, I have trouble getting out of bed on Sunday when I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> this guy is driving 900 miles a yeah. day and still running. And it's about just, to run a tiki bar. Yeah. Managing, and he visits Hogan's uh, beach house down there, too, I think, his bar. Um, he's always doing something. I think he's actually, you know, we, we kind of skipped over this, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's, he's part of the uh, – he done the Legends House. And he's part of the uh, the legends deal of WWE. I think he still does some stuff with them, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff for him. So he stays active, man. Yeah. He is the uh, Energizer Bunny. <laughs> yep. That is, I mean, that dude is a, yeah, just a bundle of energy. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone runs into Jimmy Hart out there, tell him I 
said hello, man, because he's a good dude. Um, I was telling Jeremy off the air there a second ago, one of my, be like a second cousin, I guess, works for the uh, 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 fucking uh, train, uh, can't think of the name, CSX. And he goes down through Florida, some of his runs, and he stops by Hogan's uh, uh, bar and grill or whatever's there, Hogan's beachfront, whatever it's called. And he had actually taken a picture with uh, Jimmy Hart a couple years uh, a couple years ago and sent it to me and stuff like that. And Jimmy said, yo, yo, yeah, I remember Bobby, you know. And like I said, I just saw him a couple years ago myself. And I always appreciate when someone, not that you need a name drop, because you say, well, Bobby who? And they say, yeah, that's right. Uh, they dropped my name with Tony Schiavone a couple weeks ago, I guess. And Tony said, Bobby who? Like that. And, and that, hey, at least you got your name out there, you know. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, if you if you run into Jimmy, if you're one of the boys, if you're a regular listener or whatever, just tell him Bobby Blaze said hello and said, man, he's one hell of a good dude, man. He really is is um real good dude oh yeah and that's that is so funny because like you look at all these guys that play these these heel managers right and then you get like the the background stories and like they're always like gary hart jimmy hart all everybody has all these great things to say about them and you know they were always busting their ass to keep everybody employed and he was he was yeah i just you know it's always funny because like when you when you have to realize that the guy you saw is the bad guy this whole time ain't that bad a guy. It's it's one of those things that's yeah. hard to put together in your head, you know. And in each part of his career, everything we've talked about here, hell, he went around for a few weeks in a chicken outfit and to do those towns, you know, to get that gimmick over, to to running around with the megaphone all those years. Just to everything he's done, it's like um, he's put his heart and soul into that business, and it's paid back for him dividends that everyone pretty much knows who Jimmy the Mouth of the South. Hard is, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, just uh, it's just, and it's also good to hear, like you even said, you you had never heard anything bad about the guy either, you know. And uh, and as you know, we don't come on our podcast and shit on a lot of people, or we have some fun with stuff. But uh, when someone uh, rightfully so deserves to be said, you know, he's just sweetheart of a guy. He really is a sweetheart of a guy, man, and um, made a hell of a career for himself in the world of professional wrestling, uh, being one of the mega stars that he is. Um, I know we got to finish up this podcast, yep. Jeremy. So. Well, I've got a question, a question okay. of the week for everybody. And it, we did get uh, Adam chimed in on Facebook with uh, last week's questions. Um, he went with uh, he doesn't think Gino Hernandez is still alive. So he, he okay. he's not buying that that rumor. He doesn't okay. think that Gino's death was accidental. And he also thinks that Gino would have been a bad member of the Four Horsemen because he and Flair were too much alike. Hmm, good perspective there. Yep. I like that. So this week different than what we yeah, had. Exactly. So this week's question is when you saw Jimmy Hart come to the ring with Hulk Hogan, did you ever buy that he wasn't going to turn on Hulk Hogan? <laughs> Cuz I remember the first time I hadn't watched wrestling in a few years. I turned on WCW one day. And yeah. I see Jimmy Hart come to the ring with Hogan or in an interview with Hogan. I'm like, "Huh?" How long is yeah. that gonna? How long is that gonna last? I think they did a parade in like Disney World or something together when he signed them over to WCW. I'm gonna say you had to see that fucking coming. Yeah, from a mile away, Jimmy Hart leading Hogan, at least in mainstream. Uh, you know, even though WWE, F, whatever, uh, pretty much broke kayfabe all over the place. There was still people that believed, and so if you believed that Jimmy Hart. Size Hulk Hogan is bringing him to WCW to be, you know, their big superstar megastar that Hart is not going to turn on him. 
Uh, yeah, I, I must say you had to you had to be able to see that coming. I, I Ray Charles could see that coming. Yeah, I, I was gonna say you know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd just like to hear from somebody who didn't, who somebody who genuinely went like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Hart totally seems like a good manager for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, That's, let's hear that side. Adam, yeah. You had a good perspective, completely different than Jeremy, myself, about, um, uh, fuck, why do I keep wanting to say Tully? <laughs> um, uh, Gino. Gino, thank you. So your perspective was different than that. So anyone else out there, again, just get a hold of us. Uh, let us know what you think. Did you not see uh, Jimmy Hart? That's the question, right? Jimmy Hart not yep. turning on Hulk Hogan when he brought him to WCW. Uh, hit us up at Bobby Blaze 744, the Geekish Cast for Jeremy, or the Bell to Bell Blaze for the joint account on Twitter. So yep. anyway. And with that being said, Bobby, I think we are just about done. Yes, um, we, we gave are, our mask top uh, talk at the beginning, so we won't say that again. Yeah, we all you know about the mask. So, um, yeah, I was going to say so. We are going into the holidays. Uh, we have been back for five months now, I think. Okay, <clears throat> and we have not missed an episode in that amount of time. But we are headed into the holidays, so who knows what's going to happen? There may be a bumpy thing or two along the way. We do have a planned out series of episodes. And it's our every intention to still be there every Tuesday morning, but I just want to say it is the holidays coming up and things get kind of goofy. And I know Bobby and I both go through seasonal depression during this time of year. Yeah. Um, not to, not to, you know, you know, bust our gimmicks on anybody. So, well, you know, well, that's we, no secret. That's yeah. No secret. We, we should be there. Uh, Bobby, uh, I'm just kind of trying to prep for anything that could go wrong, but I'm looking forward to being there every Tuesday morning. So, for Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>